enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together and we talk about a different film from the horror genre, from your well-known classics down to that rare gem cutting its face off at the back (laughs) of your video store shelf. This week, Tim and I are going to talk about the 2013 remake slash boot, I don't know, of Evil Dead. Not the Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Tim, do you got any uh, hanging out with your friends in an isolated horror stories? Ooh, hanging out with my friends in an isolated horror story. Um, or I guess hanging out isolated with your friends. Yeah. Horror stories. The horror story itself doesn't have to be isolated, but. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, let's see here. Uh, let me think about that one. Um you know, I know that I've been in some some situations that have been challenging. The one thing that comes to mind, especially with the uh, all the snowfall that we've had recently, is that one year, I believe it was the winter going into 1999, and there was a big blizzard in Chicago. Yeah, And for that New Year's Eve... Uh, a group of friends, I think I want to say there were 13 of us, perfect number, uh, 13 of us in a one bedroom apartment uh, in Chicago. And it was I don't remember what neighborhood it was. It was it was right downtown off of a side street, not any any major street or anything. And uh, 13 of us, one bedroom, one bathroom apartment. And we knew that it was going to snow, but we were like, eh, you know, it'd be fine. And so we get there and for the age that we were. And the people that we were, um, it was it was a really interesting party. Um, lots of lots of things happening at that party. And uh, and the thing was that we were having so much fun that somehow the fun just rolled into the next day. Sure. And uh, and we were all still there and awake. And and uh, we just decided to keep things going. And it was that day that the snow was supposed to be especially bad. And so we just kept having fun and doing our thing. The snow was falling outside. We were completely oblivious to it. And by the time the snowfall stopped, we realized that we were, because we were on a side street, completely trapped there. Because they do not, Chicago's worried about plowing major, you know, arteries from, from one state to the other. They're not worried about little neighborhood side streets. So we were literally snowed in, snow to the top of the car. 13 of us, one bedroom apartment. For three days. Wow. And we would have to take turns like walking, you know, hip deep through the snow to the gas station to pick up more food and bring it back for the (laughs) tribe because things got like kind of tribal and crazy. And thankfully, we just had blood off into factions inside. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Um, And the thing was, it was beautiful. By the third day, the uh, the girlfriend of the, the couple that owned the apartment where it was just like, I kind of caught her talking to her boyfriend away from everybody else. And she's like, I don't care what you have to do. I don't care what it takes. These people are going home today. 
And so we were all out there and it literally was the whole neighborhood. It had to go and shovel itself. We had to shovel the whole street wow. just to be able to move. And, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, I, I mean, there's, there's so, so many more details. I'd love to tell you about that weekend, but uh, <laughs> I'll keep some of those private. I remember Let that me. weekend. I mean, I wasn't at that instance. I had my own, I uh, was in my own apartment. My roommate had left first accidentally. We'd left a, I had left a window open. Cause I kind of like having a window open when it's a little chilly out or I did when I was younger Fuck yeah. it now, like but I'm um, cold constantly now, but I, our power had gone out. So I woke up to a freezing apartment. So then I was like, well, it's just me. So I got extremely stoned. And as soon as that happened, I got a call and it's my dad. And he's like, Hey, I'm outside. Come over to the house. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I had to like maintain in front of my parents for a while there. That was fun. But yeah, I remember that snowstorm. And then I was like, so we're off work, right? My dad's like, I can drive there. I'll get you there. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah, I remember the the one <clears throat> one funny memory from from that weekend uh, in that blizzard was there's one Schwarzenegger movie, and I'm trying to remember which one it is. It might be, oh, what's the future? Oh, it might be Total Recall. Um okay. Maybe goes to Mars. Maybe it's Predator. I can't remember which one it is, but um, what is I'll know. Tell me what happens. In there's it. a scene where he's running away from somebody in on like a uh, like is he a in a jungle. Track. No. <laughs> OK, then it's total recall. <laughs> OK, <laughs> but he's wearing kind of like I mean, most clothes on Schwarzenegger are, you know, tight fitting, but he's got on these like tan pants. And I was at, at least at that time way more familiar with the movie. And so we're all kind of sitting around, you know, of, of certain states of mind and, and watching this movie. And I remembered that it's one of the rare times that you see Schwarzenegger do like a full on run, like an all out. Oh, run. yeah. And so I just timed it perfectly. And I just right before it happens, I just go, ladies and gentlemen, the sprint. And then you just see this giant, like hulking man running, like sprinting. And it looks kind of ridiculous, but it was just a cacophony of laughter through that place because it's just kind of bizarre to see. That. Yeah. Well, and I'm guessing probably in that scene, he probably had like a towel wrapped around his head. He probably looked goofy, too, because he's blocking the tracker. It was inside his brain. <laughs> I didn't know you were such a huge Schwarzenegger fan. Well, I mean, I was a man growing up in the 80s. So well, that's hard true. to not be for a while. <laughs> Maybe if I just didn't watch Commando over and over right. and over again. I, I used to know Commando over. way more. But yeah, I'm more of a sci-fi, less of a, a war guy. Unless it's oh, a okay. sci-fi war, I'm all for that. But like, <laughs> yes. but Space yeah, lasers. like oh, got three, uh, three boobed woman on Mars versus... A commando. I'm going for the three boobed woman on Mars. Most would. Yeah. 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 But anyway, um, Tim, let's stop talking about those fun Arnold Schwarzenegger movies because we're here this week to talk about Evil Dead, written by uh, Fede Alvarez and Rodo Seguez. Do you know how to say that? You know, I was concentrating more on the uh, on uh, Fede. Okay. <laughs> Me too, because it's also directed by. Yes. Alvarez. So uh, that's the more important part. The stars Jane Levy as Mia and Shiloh Fernandez as David. It had a budget of 17 million box office. This might be the biggest movie we've done so far. 97.5 million at the box Certified. office, which I was shocked because uh, no one has talked about this movie since it came out. Well, it was it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that 
qualifies it for a certified hit. I mean, especially compared, like you said, to, to what we usually cover. Um, but it had an awesome, terrifying ad campaign. Like I was telling you about earlier, like they had complaints from people that would be online and all of a sudden, like they'd get a little, you know, advertisement in their middle of their, you know, Spotify or whatever. And it was just, um, it was something like it was the the ad was saying like don't uh, don't skip this ad or something like that, and then it cut to Jane Levy just doing the don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it like oh. really fast, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it was literally freaking people out so bad because it I think it would maybe even start with that. So people were like com- calling in and complaining like take this fucking ad off of my system, like I don't want to see this. It's scaring the shit out of me. So real strong marketing and online marketing. Uh, campaign for that one wow all right well and and you've got on the other side of it you've got a whole gaggle myself included of people that were like okay like kind of hands on the hips right strolling into the movie theater like okay let's see what these guys are doing here like this is my baby this is evil dead you don't fuck with this franchise let's see what these jerks are up to and then um it turned out that at least some of us were thrilled. <laughs> so you saw this in theaters. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Cause you're a huge evil dead guy. Yes. I, absolutely. I like the evil dead. Um, but you know, I've seen the first one once it's really evil dead two is what it's all about. I mean, that's my that's, favorite too. Yeah. That's like the, a nice refined. Cause that balance. one, yeah, that one is also like, this is kind of the second remake of the evil dead. Well, cause evil know, dead two is kind of a remake slash sequel right because they just kind of took the best parts of it and carried that over they changed some stuff from the first one though but it it still has the same characters yeah remembering that right well yeah but it's actually even further back than that the very first movie that they did right was um oh my god somebody's gonna kill me for not remembering the title it's something in the woods um not kept it in the woods it's uh oh fuck me um Okay, I can't think of it right now, but it was the first thing that they did. And then they when they got more money from that, then they made the Evil Dead. And then when they got more money from that, then they they basically just keep remaking the same movie as they get more and more money. Um, Yes, that movie. Yeah, because it's going to kill me if I don't know that. Yeah, it's um, uh, within the woods. Yeah, within the woods. Thank you. Oh, my God. I was never going to sleep tonight if I didn't know that (laughs) within the woods. So, yeah. So, well, it gives us a good chance here. Let me just do like a 60 second background on these guys real quick, because it actually does play into this movie. A lot of times when someone does a remake, there's a lot of detachment from the original people who are making it. That is absolutely not the case with Evil Dead. These guys have their hands around this franchise in a death grip, and it's the same group from whether it's the TV show or the remakes or the musicals or whatever it is, there's always their, their presence is, is um, constant. So basically you've got young guys who are uh, friends from Michigan and uh, they're interested in making movies and they're making these super eight films. And it was one particular scene that they were doing in one of their super eight films where there it was kind of like a, a chase scene or like a tension scene. And while they were filming it, they had so much fun. They're like, well, why don't we why don't we try to make a, a horror movie? So what they did was they they made kind of a teaser uh trailer and they showed it to a local lawyer. And he's like, Well, 
He's like, I don't really want to invest in it, but here's how you could. So they do enough things. They get these little screenings locally. They start gathering all the newspaper clippings that they can. And with every little bit of press that they can get, they take it to more and more people, all of their family members, all of the whoever might have money in their town, the doctors, the lawyers, anyone. And they just keep trying to grab more and more money to to move this project forward. So they make uh, within the woods. Um, it gets a little bit of local press enough for them to not get all the money. They wanted a hundred thousand dollars for uh, the evil dead. Um, they didn't get that, but they got, they got pretty close. So that's when they went down to Tennessee and they filmed it. And we're talking true uh, DIY style. Like they are inventing things that, they have to because they don't have the money like the Vaso glide where they would take they didn't have money for track. So they would take like a one by eight mm-hmm. and cover it in tin foil and then cover that with Vaseline and then put a little platform underneath like a block of wood underneath the camera. So they yeah. can slide the camera some across innovative the- filmmaking, creative, some yeah. creative direction, innovative oh, yeah. filmmaking here. Yeah. So there it becomes iconic. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's you're right. The what makes the evil, you know, it's it's interesting, like. Evil Dead weirdly gets lumped in with like uh, with slashers. I I would say that that's a fair statement. It gets kind of lumped in with that, which is kind of interesting to me, because if you use like a a restaurant analogy, like um, you've got McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell and White Castle. And then like you got Jimmy John's over here doing their thing. And it's it's still kind of fast food, still widely, you know, advertised to the masses. So fast, but, it's freaky, Tim. Yeah, well, that's what they say. <laughs> or or Long John Silver's. I mean, we, any any obscure, like slightly obscure, but still well-known um, food company. Like, that's the same vibe. Like, you've got your Fridays and your nightmares and your chainsaws and all that stuff. But Evil Dead really just kind of has their own little energy going on. And uh, I think it's because, like I said earlier, that group of Sam Raimi, Ted Raimi, Rob Talpert, and Bruce Campbell all have stuck together. And if they're not as active in the crew or or the actors of the film, they're at least producers and, and yeah. very much have a strong opinion and a strong voice about everything that gets done. In fact, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this scene later. These movies are known, if, if for nothing else, <clears throat> for the tree raping scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, there actually was uh, a decision by this director to he just didn't write that in. He just it was just something he felt like it wasn't needed. He didn't write it into this remake. And then rumor has it it was Rob Talpert that said he literally is quoted as saying, where's my raping tree? Like when they had a production <laughs> meeting, like looking around, like, where's my raping tree? Yeah. So uh, they found a kind of a, it is a one of the more shocking moments of that first oh yeah and and it and it's uh it's something that sam raimi has had to to wrestle with throughout his entire career and he has apologized for it and said that it was a misjudgment on his part but then again he was 19 right i mean he was 19 years old so you can't uh you know we've all grown up a lot since 19 yeah but um but yeah that that's my point is that these these films have their own sort of tribe yeah this one doesn't seem as much as a a rape as like the, the, the original one is like a molestation. This is yes. just kind of a means of a possession. Yes. You know, you're right. And I think there's a they, good way to play around it. Exactly. Without just skirting it or running away from it. I think they made a nice, 
you know, they just adapted for it to be not quite as as exploitive and uh, but but still get the point across. But uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. That's that's a whole big. That's a whole let big me let me run Nan's sum down real quick, because yeah. we're already getting into bits and <laughs> some of our listeners is just going to be confused. <laughs> uh, so here's Nan's sum uh, for Evil Dead. David and his friends meet up at his parents' cabin to help his sister Mia get over her heroin addiction. Investigating a peculiar smell, the gang finds in the basement the remains of a demonic sacrifice, along with a peculiar book wrapped in skin. Ignoring the warnings to not read the book, one of the friends reads the book and unleashes a demonic force determined to destroy the five souls needed to facilitate the return of the abomination. Yeah, skin wrapped. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Wrapped in skin. With this one looks way lamer than the original one you i was that, expecting you know a they weren't allowed bit. to they weren't allowed to use that original design well but you can still make a different design that's not this plain yeah yeah they i expect a little I... more design in the book yeah i i didn't want like the face in it like yeah i but give me something else at least they changed the name of it like the they changed the name of the book um, instead of going with the Necronomicon, they, they gave it that, uh, yeah. Cause, uh, I learned recently that was written yeah. by H.P. Lovecraft. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not a demon, not a demon, um, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, well, that kind of brings up a, just a, an interesting point about this movie in general and, and about remakes in general, <clears throat> there's, there's any number of reasons why a movie is remade. I, I wrote down a couple of them. Um, you either build on a previous financial success. Um, maybe you think you can do it better. You mm-hmm. have a creative team that thinks they can do something better. You introduce the movie to a new generation that might not be as familiar with the original, um, or it's just maybe a a love letter, a true love letter homage to, to the original one of one of, or a mix of those things. And for this, I think it's a few things um, because you have the same that same creative team involved. Uh, I don't think it was anybody thinking that they could do something necessarily better. I think it was probably more along the lines of the uh, introducing it to a new generation. That would be my guess Yeah, um, for why they would. And, and I think they knew that. Anything that has come out with Evil Dead has only really increased in popularity from the very beginning. It's never gone backward. No. And so there's no reason to believe that uh, that a reboot or a remake would would somehow be a failure. I mean, it's yeah. And it's always maintained a, a, a high standing like, yeah, not only does it go backwards, I just I can't think of anyone who's seen these who's been like, I didn't like those or yeah. in general. I don't like the Evil Dead series right Uh, i I get it if you don't like some of the specific movies like this one that's understandable but yeah yeah. if 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 someone said that to me they'd be saying like this the second half of the sentence to my back like i'm (laughs) I'm already walking away from you like as as a person like it's one thing if you if you say something like i like evil dead it's not my favorite in the horror genre i'm cool with that because i know it is it does have its own specific flavor but for somebody to be like i think those suck i think that they're bad they probably are missing some of the the innate goofiness and fun 
of right. the franchise. Yeah. And they probably don't have a great sense of humor. I should clarify people who like horror movies. There's never anyone who's like, yeah. I just don't like people dead. Cause yes, yeah. cause these movies are visceral and gory and they are going to turn a lot of people off for sure. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Cause it, the, that's part of one of, my main attractions to these movies, the first one that I saw, and I'm with you a hundred thousand percent in that. I believe evil dead Two, dead by dawn is the best one. I think it's, it strikes the most perfect balance of refinement, but not being so overly refined that now it's just kind of making fun of itself. And right. uh, nothing is army of darkness. Yeah. Nothing against army. There are some people out there that live and die by army of darkness. They're right. usually a handful of years younger than us. Yes. Um, and, and that's cool. Cause army yeah, it, that, that is the, like, cause there are kids who love the star Wars prequels, but people our age are like, those were garbage, but they, those are the ones they saw as kids and that sure. got that, got them excited about it. So it's always and, nostalgia. It always comes. Nostalgia is going to fucking, <laughs> cloud your yeah cloud your judgment so hard it's true but you know the the what i liked about two is uh and it's a uh term that i've sort of coined and and i've i think i probably even used it on the show a couple times is um two is an an experience movie is what i call it like when you when you watch this movie and you especially when you introduce it to people that haven't seen it before i mean they're gonna have an experience when they see in evil dead 2 that black blood or whatever it is come blasting out and just cover ash and he's slipping and falling (laughs) or when the eyeball comes flying across the room and into the girl's mouth people it's like a roller coaster yeah an absolute like just viewed roller coaster and um so that's what makes it really exciting uh and it's it's a really really tall order to try and and recreate that excitement so the question that you have to ask yourself is why remake anything? And but before we, before we uh, go further, I have just a, a, something I got to throw out to you just because I think it's so interesting. Sure. People remake movies, people remake TV shows, people remake songs. Isn't it weird that nobody rewrites books? <laughs> Nobody's like, like I'll I'll fucking write the Great Gatsby. I'll show you the fucking Great Gatsby. Right. Like and just, but nobody nobody yeah. rewrites books. <laughs> but you can if you want to, I suppose. Sure. But, but yeah, um, no one's like, yeah, I just finished my novel, Great Expectations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This time it's personal. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, but I don't know. There was just a yeah, thought interesting. That to me. No, that's interesting. But um, but 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 speaking of the the spirit of remakes, in my opinion, there's kind of two there's two ways you go about it. You either go about it to change it so drastically that it, it's completely putting your own spin on it, or you are trying to do like a note for note uh, recreation of it, and like. I think that the the best way to do it is a balance of the two, because I'll just give you an example. You, you know that I love 80s music. You know, I love The Cure and they remade um, a Jimi Hendrix song. And I love Jimi Hendrix, too. He had a song called Purple Haze. <laughs> if you've if you've heard of it, I've heard of it. And uh, <laughs> so they remake Purple Haze and it's. The song that they created is cool. It sounds cool, but it's so completely far removed from the original that there's nothing to sort of hang your hat on. And right. and so it doesn't it doesn't really work. And yet, if they had done something like note for note, it's kind of like, well, then 
what are we even doing here? Right. I, I've, I've like heard Weezer when they did Toto. People went crazy yeah. for that. And I'm like, it's just Toto. I'm like, right. <laughs> or Africa. Yeah, that's what I meant. I loved when he told me when I was like, uh, when that first came out and I was like, yeah, you know, I just love that chorus. And you're like, you realize that's like just one note. Like, oh, yeah. it's like Morse code <laughs> as a chorus. But yeah, so like uh, you got to you got to ask yourself, like, w- how do you go about this in the in the right way? Now, I know from from discussions earlier that I, I have a little bit different feelings about this remake than than you do. Yeah. But I will say <clears throat> that what I felt was done right was exactly what I'm saying about that balance between picking some elements of the film to keep the same or at least hint towards and then take other elements and change them completely. And I feel like the elements that they changed were the right elements to change. Wow. Because here's my thing. If you sit me down and say, I want you to remake Evil Dead, the first thing I'm going to do is say, we are not making a character of Ash to have any other person in the world play Ash is absolute suicide. Sure. Never do that. So if Bruce Campbell's not going to play Ash, no one should. So I do think that was on a basic level, a great decision of theirs to not cast an Ash. That's, that's, that's a massive, great decision right off. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, because Bruce Campbell rules. You know why? You know, it's like Jim Carrey is he's is, genuine. Yeah, Jim Carrey is is great, and I, I like, and I I know that he's more than just a clown. But I'm talking like the Jim Carrey that we all know, the silly like can't stop himself goofball. Yeah, Bruce Campbell isn't that, but he's also not a total straight man either. He's that nice balance in between. Yeah, and I follow him on Instagram, and the only things he puts up are just he'll like say something but then he puts like a funny snapchat filter over it like so but he'll like do it within whatever the filter is you know he's not like talking about serious stuff he's just doing bits right but it's never like also here's my car you're right (laughs) well good for him that's good that's that's how i want to see him yeah he seems like a really down-to-earth guy you actually were the one that gave me uh his biography as a present a birthday present and uh it's a fascinating book called uh, if chins could kill and it's it's amazing like he (laughs) literally monster chin what's that oh yeah monster chin and the, the book is so great because he literally like just so to speak, opens up the books on the Evil Dead franchise and even gives you like their recipe for fake blood, like what they used and the ratios of it. Like he he literally just kind of it's like cliff notes for Evil Dead. So it's it's really cool. Um, But anyway, so you've got that good choice to not have an ash, but yet you do keep the cabin. Now, that's an excellent choice, in my opinion, because if you would if you would set it in a different setting, then I think you risk losing people. Great yeah. decision. Give up the ash, but keep the cabin. Smart move. They've also got some musical, uh, those little kind of plucky piano, like creepy, eerie piano trills that they do that are really similar to the to the original films that creates a nice uh, audio setting yeah. um, and familiarity. So you've got that. But um the idea to bring the kids to the cabin for something other than getting high or drinking or banging is 
I think it's probably a good choice. Um, See, that's one of the things I loved about this. <laughs> you just want to see him get high and bang. Well, I know. I was like, oh, that's I'm with clever. You. I, I, okay, because, like- yeah, I can already, like, see things unraveling about, oh, how someone would process, like, withdrawal from an addiction and the torment they'd be going through. But then as the movie is going on, I'm like, well... Cause our, cause our addict in the movie is Mia and she's the one who's first possessed. And I would have much rather the person going through like the addiction is then having to deal with the demons around her instead mm. of being the demon. Mm. So I was like, well, fuck like missed, missed opportunity there. I thought, Interesting. but I liked that going into it. I was like, Oh, smart. Yes. Okay. So I started this, I started this on a high note. I came into this excited and I was very disappointed. Very disappointed. Well, I'm going to talk you out of it by the end of this. Um, Mm. (laughs) Or you're going to, you're going to convince me the other way. But no, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm, I have to say that I'm shocked by that. I, I really thought that, um, Again, there there's not only the balance of some major choices like I'm talking about. There's also some fun little nods like they make sure that they put uh, uh, Mia in a Michigan University or Michigan State uh, sweatshirt. Sure. Um, you know, there's they make sure that they have a scene with her sitting on the what's called the classic. It's actually the Delta 88 that uh, Sam Raimi has in all of his movies, including the Spider-Man movies and everything else. Um, that's like the car that he was, that was driving. Oh, okay. Yeah, the car that he was driving when uh, when they made the first one. And he just like keeps inserting that Delta. I think it's a 1973 Delta 88. And nice. uh, he has it in almost all of his movies, maybe all of them. Um but so there's these nice little hints and little like fun Easter egg yeah. style things. They had a quick one where they just glance at a chainsaw real quick and then moved to something else. I was like, good. But then she uses the chainsaw at the end. I was like, damn it. Oh, yeah. I, Which I don't is know. a cool. It's a cool looking scene and it's fine. But I was like, well, then don't do the chainsaw nod earlier. Right. Right. Um, yeah. That, don't do a fake out with the chainsaw if you're going to use the chainsaw. Right. Yeah, I uh, I see what you mean. I I you know what? I didn't even catch where did they where did they show that glimpse of the chainsaw? Uh, beforehand? There's someone who's in the shed and they look for a weapon. And I I'll be honest, I didn't keep a lot of detailed notes when I watched this movie, so I don't remember who was in there. But they just look at something briefly and they see it, and then they it's on it for like a half second. But then the camera moves up and they they grab something else. It might be when David finds his dog. Maybe it's because he goes into the work shed. I don't know if anybody else goes into the the woodshed otherwise. Someone does. But maybe. But um, but yeah, so um, so yeah, this is probably me at some point. No, oh. no, it couldn't be. Is it the blonde? I don't know. Yeah, we I don't, don't remember. But yeah, either way, um, they they do a nice uh they make sure that they put in enough things to to feed the fans, uh, but not to just do out and out copies. Like they even managed to work in the um, oh, what do you call it? Like the quick cut montage scene is what we'll call it, where yeah. they um where they show like when when Ash is building something and it's like the zoom in on the hand yeah. going into the chainsaw. <laughs> Yeah, which is which is great. I mean, even Shaun of the Dead uses that a couple yep. of times. So it's a nice little like everybody loves that. Every and, and I think to tell you the truth, I think a lot of that stuff was born from like um, 
some of the action movies too, they used it like in the eighties, like when they would like be like gearing up for the oh, big fight, sure. you know, cut to commando. This yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Good yes. Lord. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, we have to, apparently we have to do a commando show. Now. But, um, but yeah. So, but, but back to what you were saying about, um, I, and trust me, I'm with you. I, nobody loves naked, you know, people, beautiful people running around at the risk of being killed more than I do. But um, I do think that they made a conscious choice to go with the addiction thing because I think that I actually guessed this. And then I saw an interview with the director where he confirmed it. But it's the closest thing to a human metaphor for possession, unless you believe in that sort of thing. Sure. And yeah. Um, and I was, yeah, I totally thought that. And that's why I got so excited at the beginning. I'm like, oh, that's fucking. Yeah. Like, who doesn't say I'm wrestling with the demons inside of me, you know, when they're dealing with the right. crippling addiction like that? Yeah. And uh, and, you know, heroin is, uh, you know, it's not the easiest thing to kick in the world. Um, it is. Uh, it's a very, very interesting drug. And um, it's uh makes for a lot of hard times for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've known some people that that got into heroin heavily. And yeah, that nothing like aging somebody in their 20s and making them look like they're 97 years old in like a year than than that drug. I mean, yeah. it's it's not good for you. Um, but kind of going, I, I think it's OK now, just real quick, uh, just to touch a little bit more on that tree scene. Um, what I was going to say is that. Uh, Sam Raimi was under this was even before the whole uh, cancer cancel culture thing was happening. But uh, he's always been under fire for that tree scene in the first one. And he does admit that it was a little exploitive, um, that it was a little more harsh than he had planned for it to be. But I think that um, I think that people are sort of taking it in stride because I don't know if every musicals version does this, but our home theater did a version of the evil dead musical. And that scene is very much played up for laughs. And even to the point where uh, Cheryl who's being attacked by the trees actually kind of very vaguely, but very definitively simulates some um, manual uh <laughs> stimulation Let's jerks the tree way. off yeah she jerks the tree off <laughs> a couple at the same time though um you know two of them right so um so i, I don't know i don't know if every production does that yeah if you're go that's the only way you can really go then with it. yeah and I, I mean you're it's a musical that one that's a very different tone of sure. that show but i would say the musical more true to the tone of the evil dead than this movie is that's fair that, yeah, that is another one of my complaints is i think they stripped all the charm and humor and what made the first ones engaging and fun to watch. It's fun to watch then when something's super gory. Cause now you've got, I'm laughing and now I'm like, Oh God, that's disgusting. And now I'm laughing again. This is just like, did I watch this entire movie? Like with my teeth clenched? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> but it wasn't because I was like, dreading anticipation or you know i don't know what emotions coming next or you know i just it's just like oh god more okay yeah. or you see something being set up and you're like okay i know what's coming here oh go okay okay um <laughs> you know and someone's like ripping their hand out from under a car and it's severing itself you're like oh gross but <laughs> at no point was i like also this part's like hilarious like this thing where this happens is so fun to watch like None of that's in this. And okay. yeah, do I want Ash in this movie? Absolutely not. But would I have liked a character? Yes. 
Well, that's an interesting point. And I think that that's something, well, I think that's an incredibly strong point. I think that there's nothing wrong with inserting some form of comic relief, because usually even in a movie that's straight ahead, nothing but just lights out drama, there's usually a character who offers some sort of comedic relief, but this movie doesn't have any comedic relief at all. So that that doesn't have characters. I know I hear like I had to reread the synopsis to know the blonde is even David's girlfriend. I was like, Oh, she was okay. Like I know David and Mia are brother and sister. I know their mom has passed and David wasn't there for it. And that Mia has a addiction. That is all I know about five people. Right. It's just, you make a strong point. One of them looks like Jared Leto and I hated him immediately only for (laughs) that fact. And then I just hated him more as the movie went on because he's the idiot in the movie. Yeah. And he, I don't know. I think his character is kind of interesting. He's sort of, he's sort of whiny, but he's also, he's sort of, he's not nerdy. He's not trendy. He's kind of just, but I know guys that look like that. Like I know they're sort of like, a little trendy, but you know that if they if it was the 80s, they would be nerds. But just because it's the 2000s, they lucked out and they're considered trendy. Yeah, um, because Talking you know, about glass. me too. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, you're cool in that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying with the the lack of definition, and and I'll go with you on that. I'm not going to try to to sugarcoat everything. Uh, it 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 could have used a little bit stronger definition of of character now. What you're saying about the the comedy thing, and I know exactly what you like. You know those, you know when you're on a roller coaster. We mentioned those earlier. When you're on a roller coaster, sometimes the most fun parts of it, and I know you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. You just did something gnarly, like corkscrews, and then up and down and upside down, and then you do that like big like rush up to a plateau, mm-hmm. and then everybody hide again. Of, everybody's <laughs> yeah. got that sort of giggle going on because they know that it's not over and something else is coming up. That is almost better than the gnarly thing that came before it or the gnarly thing that comes after it. Now it it can exist without either one of those, but what you like is the up and down, the variation, the, like the slap and tickle, the, you know, the, (laughs) the hardcore and then the ease off and then being shocked again. And I I'm with you. That's, that's a more fun ride than if you just had a roller coaster that was just a nonstop, like two mile long corkscrew, like that's not as fun. Like there's, there's a ride at, uh, um, uh what's the one in sandusky um jesus i'm blanking anyway cedar point cedar point thank you or king's island yeah cedar point cedar point is what i'm thinking of um there's a ride there where it's literally like it blasts you off at like 90 miles an hour you go up one hill turn to where you just like crest the peak of it and then come straight back down at these insane speeds and that's it that's the ride yeah and that's fine because it's short and there, it doesn't have anything else to offer. This is that ride for if you had to ride it for like a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I totally I'm with you on that. Like, I will give you that. I, I can respect that. And, and, and I will even agree with that, that. And I'm not saying let me say this. I'm not saying there's something wrong with a movie to be that because there are and there are movies that are like that that I do enjoy. But. If you're going to call yourself Evil Dead, I think that there are certain things that come along with that 
that make Evil Dead Evil Dead. If this movie were Evil Dead in the eighties or whatever, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as no you wouldn't right. have the remake of it later. No, you're right. You're right, and I respect that. I th- I do think though that if you're and maybe this brings up a bigger topic, which is maybe it shouldn't have been remade in the first place. I mean, that's a valid consideration. Um, I do feel a little bit better about its very existence, knowing that the original creative team is still involved so that I know that it wasn't just like snatched up by some fanboy that had money and said like, I want to make that because I think that's cool. Like kind of like how the rock is doing with, and I love the rock as much as the next guy, but like he was trying to do with uh, remaking um, big trouble in little China. Like, dude, I, I respect the fact that you love that movie. We all do. Don't remake it. Like, just don't do that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Do you, do you know I showed Nancy that movie and two thirds of the way through, she was like, this is a joke, right? You don't really like this movie. Yeah. You told me that night. I died a little bit that day. Yeah. Like when insane. I, when you said that, I'm like, insane. how, how can anyone, not just her, not just a girl or I'm not going to split it down gender or anything. How can anybody feel that way about that movie? It's so fun. And it, oh, so everybody good. loves that movie. Um, but yeah, so so but let me ask you this though. Like I get it and I'm with you. It is a better movie and I think you made an, an a phenomenally important point just 2 minutes ago when you said if this had been the flavor of the movie in the 80s, it would not have given birth to such a huge you know, arena of, that is the Evil Dead. You know, it, it wouldn't have given life to that that whole franchise. And I agree with you. However, if if you're if you're having to remake it, I don't while there's a bunch of different ways you can go with it. I don't necessarily hate the idea of saying of somebody saying, "Okay, we can't have Ash. We know that the other movies are known for their humor and only got progressively more known for their humor. What if we just did the Evil Dead and played it straight? What if we just went scary? We've seen the world has seen the Evil Dead funny. But what about showing them Evil Dead full on scary? And is it as good of a choice as or as good of a flavor as the other one? Probably not. But I do think that we talk about it all the time. Our loyal listeners will will be thrilled to hear that here is a final finally a movie that has the pacing that we're talking about when we say when a movie just drops out and it loses its pacing and it gets boring and, and there's too much exposition. You've heard us say these things over and over this movie. Once it gets past a little bit of that clunky character introduction in the beginning is just white knuckled through till the end. It really is nonstop. It's almost amazing. It's almost a feat in and of itself that they're able to maintain that gradual upward climax at such a pace. It's awesome. Right. Um, <clears throat> I got some questions for you about this yeah. movie and maybe these, these are, you have to know stuff from the, or be well-versed in the originals. So the, the cabin they go to, they say it's their parents, right? They're like, mom would be d- disappointed as to what happened to the cabin. Like it's yes. obviously a place they've been before. Now the movie opens up with, a they they kill a young girl because she is possessed and there's the, the help of all these weird backwoods people where at first you're like oh here are the demon people but ah, twist they're really the good people helping to destroy this demon mm-hmm. now when we so we're at the cabin and they're like holy shit there's a terrible smell and they find this basement 
where the murder of the demon that we had just seen at the beginning took place. When is that supposed to have happened? Are the people like, is that young girl and the dad, are they related to our main characters in some way? How did they end up in that cabin? Cause it seems like the um, backwoods people knew what to do or knew how to obviously knew how to deal with the problem, mm-hmm. but did they not, have a place of their own they could do it they were like we have to break into this cabin that i know has a cavernous maze-like basement under it i guess yeah. not cavernous but it is a it is not your average storage no. cellar right no. um they're like three rooms deep to where they get to where they've dealt with this e- demon so was i missing something there or was that just kind of an inconsistency that is just there no, it's an it's a great question. I I from what I can understand, I believe that we know that the kids haven't been there. That uh, David and uh, Maya or Mia haven't yeah. been there since they were kids. Um, so that allows for a certain span of time. I believe what was happening is that that sort of backwoods family uh, that you're talking about, I think, was essentially squatting there, and that they they were were just sort of squatting in the cabin or using it as some sort of home base for dealing with whatever presence is out in the woods or something Mm -hmm. like that. What I thought was really interesting is that the kind of old sort of witch lady in that group that you're talking about, do you, do you know what language she's a shaman? Let's not, uh, Oh yeah. Shaman (laughs) disparage any witches out there. there. Do you know what language she was speaking? Uh, No, I don't. Welsh. Really? Yeah, kind of interesting. That is interesting, interesting choice there. She's, uh, and I think that they probably just did that because that actress, uh, whose name is uh, Sean Davis, and it's uh, spelled S I A N, it's pronounced Sean, not Sean, but Sean. Um, she's Welsh. So uh, maybe okay. they were just, maybe they were just like, well, you, yeah, we you know, need Welsh. someone who speaks Welsh. Yeah. We need a crazy sounding language. Can you please just talk that way? Um, so, yeah. So, it, but, but no, just in, in short answer, I think that, I think that they were either just squatting it or squatting there or using it as a place to sort of deal with, uh, with the issues. Um, Cause and, they never show up again, which I was also yeah. kind of bummed about. Why have them in there? Well, I'll tell you something. I do think that there is, while I'll agree with you that there's a little bit of disconnect between whatever happened to that family and where did they come from? I do think that it was a stroke of genius to open the movie with that scene because why you've got guys like me, assholes like me going in there, sitting in the movie theater saying, okay, let's see what you have done. You know, they massacred my boy. Like, let's see what you've done to the evil dead. And the first thing that they do with this movie is to do a non canon scene from the evil dead. It's it's the scene isn't in any other evil dead movie. Right. So immediately they deflect all the judgment by people who are ready to sit down and judge it right from the get go. And they give them something completely new and different. But yet it's still a kick-ass scene. It's a badass scene. I mean, it is it's pretty awesome and gnarly. Um, and but it kind of deflects all that judgment from people that are so quick to to decide if they were gonna love or hate this movie from the from the first frame. Um, so I think it was a wise choice to do something separate from the other films, but I will agree with you that it it does leave us wondering, like, so did these people just 
go back to their cabin, right? (laughs) Or back, you know, and why was there, why would the young girl be get possessed in the first place? You know, Um, so no, you're right. There's a a couple little holes there. Because they seem to know what's going on, but then they're not very protective of, they're just like, well, leave that book behind, but wrap it in barbed wire and plastic. No one will get into (laughs) it then. I do like though. Uh, I, they should have wrapped it like a CD was from like two thousand four. <laughs> yeah, right. Never right. getting into that. Just picking at that corner for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, you know, yeah, that's it. Is a little. It's a little strange. I like the again. I, I like the fact that they started with something different, but it is a little disjointed. I, I'll I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, then they arrive at the cabin now. Uh, I, I do love the fact that they used a cabin that felt very similar to to the other films. Like I said, I think that's a really strong choice. Another really strong choice that they make in this movie. This is kind of a fun thing is uh, the the use of weapons. Uh, I, I know that you mentioned that you were a little disillusioned by, you know, their their reuse of a chainsaw. I, I like that. I think it's it's kind of iconic. But yeah, um, I like, well, like they, I said, I didn't have a problem with the chainsaw. Oh, okay. The, but the if you're going to like reference it and then go away from it, don't come back to it. Okay, okay. Or don't have the reference in and use the chainsaw. That was my issue. I anyway, do, go I ahead. I want to make my bitching very, very specific. <laughs> yeah, no, we want we want you to you know get your point out and because yeah, you gotta. I mean, chain. It's hard to hate a chain on a chainsaw in a horror movie, right? Right. In any horror movie, um, so. But they use a make good use of a nail gun. And, you know, what I love about a nail gun is that in some sort of strange, funny way, it's even more mean and menacing than an actual gun. Like, right. Somehow the idea of getting shot with a nail gun is worse than like getting blasted with, you know, a, a 44 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do a lot with a nail gun to kill someone. Like, so, you yeah. know, it's just going to hurt. Now, right. I will say. I at this point I was already in super cynical mode and I'm just like it's not how nail guns work. The you can't just do that. But I I I even recognized at that point I was like relax guy just fucking. So what they did with the nail gun was good even though incorrect it was good. I will I will say that. And, and it is it's also, one of those moments where you're like oh god oh god they got the nail gun they're just going yeah. crazy and just got nails in her face my favorite pinhead of any movie we've watched yeah, for sure yes. yeah the the best pinhead yeah that was uh that's the best <laughs> that scene is the best uh hellraiser uh sequel of any of them yes. actually for like two minutes inside evil dead um but no right after the nail gun we get really another just king of weaponry and it's a crowbar and you can't deny it's something's funny about the way that a crowbar is weighted and how sharp it is. When you pick up a crowbar, I don't care if you're a pacifist or a, <laughs> a friggin' Viking, like you can feel the power and the potential in a crowbar. As a pacifist, I can uh, concur. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that feels like it's going to do, can do some damage, damage. which is that. another thing like in this movie. People are abused so harshly with things. And then the human ones, not possessed ones, bounce back so easily. When she beats the fuck out of him with that crowbar, I'm like, he's done. You don't come back from that. Right. No, good point. Good point. Um, That guy had 
like no scratches. There was a point where I was just like, this looks like this looks funny because it looks like a spoof of a movie where like the hot movie star has like nothing wrong with them and everyone else is caked <laughs> in blood and scars and mutilation. And he's just like, uh, got the, the only blood on him is from other people. Well, I I'll agree with you that that seemed like, cause when she comes down with that crowbar, he's putting his hand up in sort of a defensive, what would also ultimately be like a, a, a defensive injury. She cracks the mangles the fuck out of his hand. Yeah. And yet in, in, subsequent scenes he's building a homemade he digs a grave yeah and yeah digs a grave and does yeah so you're right there's a little suspension of disbelief there with the, the recovery for, from some wounds but i will say you mentioned a little bit about blood and that sort of thing um what i really like one of the things that i think is really neat in this movie is the use of color and the if you know anything about evil dead what's kind of funny about the the whole uh, mythology of it is that it's really solved by the sun coming up. Like once the sun is up, like doesn't matter how bad things have gotten, everything's going to be fine. And um, so you can't have any bright elements uh, at all be, while the action is going on because it, it just sort of takes you, it, it creates a, a some safety for the audience. So everything in this movie looks, and I, I, I see this in a really cool way. The coloring almost looks marbled in everything. It looks like like when you look at marble and the way yeah. that marble colors move and undulate with each other. Um, it, it's a mix of like browns and creams and yellows and like really cool muted blues. Yes. And, like uh, so I really steely like steely blues kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love the color palette of this film. It's it's very cool. And I agree. It looks really gorgeous. Like yeah. there are a lot of good shots of the woods. Um, I thought again, I was like, oh, are we back in Cascadia? But no, it's my second favorite place. New Zealand is where they film this. Um, but it looks like uh the Pacific Northwest, but yeah, it does. But yeah, just any shots of the woods are gorgeous. There's that uh shot at the end of the house on fire and it's raining blood, and it, yeah, that just like the, the orange and the, yeah, you've got these bright oranges and then blues surrounding it, those they look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really uh, pretty palette there. And um, and uh, the the other couple things that they do, uh, some certain aspects of this movie that they kept in is that you can't talk about Evil Dead without talking about. We mentioned it earlier. Some of the zany camera effects that that Sam Raimi invented with like, you know, in some of the early films or especially part two, where Ash is flying through the woods and he's sort of facing the camera and spinning around and doing all these goofy things. So there has to be some some nod to the to the tricky camera work. And I think they do a good job of that um, in this in this movie. One of the things that they use. And I'd have to sit down and write down how many times they did it. And if they did it like exactly the same every time, but there's a really creepy way to shoot a scene that I always remember it first from the exorcist and just go with me on this. What it is, is it's like a slow advancing forward of the, the camera, whether it's tracking or zooming and whatever the, the subject is in the frame is doing something really rapid and unsettling. And they're just sort of moving in on that. Like for, for instance, in the exorcist, 
when uh, Linda Blair like is like wagging her tongue really fast and it's like <laughs> cold in the room and you see the breath, like her breath in the air. And it, she just looks like so freaky and spazzy with that tongue going nuts. And they do that in this movie too, with like these kind of zoom ins when, where people are moving in like really jerky frenetic sort of um uh, movements and there's this beautiful sound uh, work with like bone cracking sounds while people mm-hmm. are moving in their jerky ways. So I do think that they did a nice job of not trying to be like overly Raimi style with like silly, crazy, fast zoom ins and all that stuff. But they there are elements of that. Right. Which I really liked. Yeah. Um, I agree there. But. And maybe it just comes down to because I'm not uh, someone who's particularly uh, against remakes or reboots or whatever they're called. Um, but I think there are times they work. Uh, 21 Jump Street, that movie. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Because they had a, a different take that was still within the realm of what 21 Jump Street is. Um, and maybe, yeah, maybe that was just this like. There was no, there was no need. I don't think this needed to be done. It's probably scratched a lot of people's itches who wanted a new Evil Dead, um, and they didn't have any ideas. So a remake is the easiest thing to do. Um, but yeah, it just missed because the like so many things came out of Evil Dead. You have a director who started his career there, right? A, you know, an iconic performance from Bruce Campbell. Um, a lot of techniques that came out of that, that uh, people started copying, you know, no one watched this movie and took anything away from it. It was like, Hmm, that's what sets this apart. Right. Like there's just nothing unique in this, I guess. And that really bothered me. Like why even do it then? If you're not going to do something unique, even the female ghostbusters as, as dumb as that is to say, as the unique thing is they're all women. At least there was that. (laughs) It was still a bad movie, but like they at least tried a different approach, I guess. Like if they just remade ghostbusters, um, but then took all the humor out of it, that'd be, no one would like that ghostbusters. Well, I, I think that, um, I see what you're saying. And I think a lot of that could affect not, not just you, but I think a lot of people, uh, especially people that were like, you love comedies. You just, you, yeah. you've always loved comedies and, and, and that's, that's fantastic. And I, and I, so do I. Um, so if, if you're somebody that really loves, and it's not, I'm not saying that that's the only kind of movies you, that you like, but I know that you really do love a, a good comedy um, or, or just funny bits. So, for this movie to be completely devoid of that, I, I, I agree with you. I think that they could have sprinkled a little something in there. I think that the character of Eric, in, who you already hated because he looked like Jared Leto, but I think maybe like he could have been easily made into a sort of, you know, comedic role um, that uh, that wouldn't have distracted from anything. There yeah. needed to be some of that. I'm with you. There needed to be that. Well, and I can't even say the original Evil Dead's are supposed to be funny. You know what I'm saying? Like well, the first one is is not as much. The first one is is really more just maddening. Yes, but the second one is kind of cartoony. I guess is more what I should say. Not really funny. It comes across funny because it's 
over exaggerated and Bruce yeah. Campbell's face in that is, but yeah. that's what makes it engaging and makes you enjoy it. Right. Like, right. Um, and this, this was just missing from that. And there was another thing I was going to say on top of that, but I forgot what it is. It's not important. Well, um, I w- but, but I, I, I will give you this though. I think that <clears throat> whereas I can, I think I can save this for, for somebody that might still want to like this movie. It's, if you are now, now you like comedy. I like, <clears throat> I like that, uh, that tension. I like the action tension. Like, whereas you really like psychological horror, that stuff usually is so unsettling to me that it, it kind of takes the enjoyment out of it a little bit for me. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, I enjoy a good one and I can appreciate a, a good psychological horror, but it, it kind of freaks me out. Um, just the concept of mental illness and people losing their mind and stuff like that is just, sure. it's just like a, a fear of mine. Um, so that I, it's, it's unsettling, but for me, I really like hardcore action pacing, um, gnarly kills stuff like that it's kind of like this movie is sort of like if you like guitar solos like it's like <laughs> yeah. one long guitar solo instead of like the song kind of going through different movements and 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 feels and vibes it's just like a fucking non-stop just finger tapping guitar solo all the way to the end yeah and i can't say if i if i knew nothing of the other evil dead iterations i might have enjoyed this movie a lot more but I think it's just because it has the the name on it. I think there's something that comes with that. It's like, here's a Transformers movie, but they're just robots. They never turn into cars. <laughs> right. They're just formers. <laughs> formers, exactly what meets the eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's a terrible movie. Right, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that could just be a car lot. Like it's just like two hours of a camera just on a car lot. Um, <laughs> no moving. Just like they, do, they don't hear, do much. You hear like a car or truck going past, like in the background or whatever. You know, like a bird comes and lands and flies away. Um, um, but 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 here though, let me let me let me ask you about this though, because I okay. think this is something that is is kind of interesting that they did. <clears throat> they sort of whereas this movie doesn't have an ash. I like the fact that they switched up final people. I can't really say final girl, but final people on us mm-hmm. because um, first of all, let me just not to go off on, a, on another tangent. One thing that I really like about this movie, I love brother and sister stuff. You know, there's so much uh, couple romantic couple stuff in any genre of movie, let alone horror that sure. it's, I always really love a good brother and sister thing. Part of it's probably because I have a sister who I, I love dearly um, that I connect to that, but like um, Jeepers Creepers, the, the brother sister relationship there, I really enjoyed. And I really like the choice here instead of versus a romantic couple. So mm-hmm. let me just say that real quick. But what I also really like is that we go from, did they pronounce it Maya or Mia in the movie? Mia. Okay. So they go from Mia being pretty much helpless. Like we think that she's going to be our final girl. Like we just assume that. Um, But then she gets possessed and, and David is the one really trying to fix the situation. And then things don't go very well for David. And then we get a return of her and not usually do you get somebody who is that heavily compromised to come back and we get actually two 
alternating final people. Yes. So that was kind of different. Uh, it was. And I found that jarring because okay. I'll say this. Here's another thing I didn't like about it. And I can't remember how much it's used. I, I know it has to have been used in the, in the original ones, but when someone drops the, you know, someone's possessed, but then they'll be like, wait a minute, what's happening? Like, I'm, I'm okay. Oh my God, please help me in a, in a way for the demon to trick the person to get them closer or release them or whatever. I'm sure that happened at least once in evil dead two. Right. I'm, I can't be yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It happens so frequently in this movie that I, it, it became hard to tell when someone was doing that as a facade to where there were, are moments where I'm like, oh, they're doing the facade thing again. Then it's like, nope, they weren't. And now they're dead. Right. And I'm just like, well, wait, how did they, how did they get the demon out originally? Then there's the whole thing at the end. I know what you're going to say. Because, <laughs> All right. Let's walk through the very end here. Cause they, they see in the book, the only way to stop it is, I guess you get to pick one of three. It's uh, burn them dismember them or bury them alive mm -hmm. two of those pretty obviously you aren't coming back from right thankfully david picks option three bury alive which you apparently can come back from uh because he so not only does he bury uh mia alive he puts a plastic bag over her head to I also suffocate scene. her it looks cool right i'm still on board all on board um he uh then the tree that was on fire extinguishes himself, which to a demon expert like David is like, ah, this means she's fine now. So he digs her back up, <laughs> then proceeds to because there's a they talk about earlier how she had OD'd and the defibrillator like she had died. Mm -hmm. and the defibrillator is the only thing that brought her back to life. So he fashions his because he's also an engineer, his own defibrillator which I did have to look this up because I'm super jaded and cynical at this point. <laughs> like the, the, the meter he's using has like an ohms gauge on it. So I was like, how many ohms can the human body take? And it's like max 300 and it's at 500 where he has like no charge where he's like, Oh shit, this isn't working anymore. And <laughs> ohms are one of those things where it's like the smaller the number gets the, like it compounds how severe it is. So like, the human body can take like a hundred thousand to 500 ohms. And then once you get to like 300 ohms, you're effed. Right. He was like plugging this thing up to 20 ohms. And it, that was my <laughs> science corner of that's not going to work. But then he's like, well, shit, it didn't work. And he walks away and you hear her go, David. And he turns around and now she is like standing up. He has walked. She has. This has been over. 15 to 20 seconds and she's standing up and I'm like, here we go again. This is the deep, certainly no human after being buried alive and then shocked 80 times uh, pops up like that. But no, she was fine. I'm like, wait, that worked also. Oh, and also to get her in the hole, he subdues her. But one of the, uh, the, the other dude, the Jared Leto is like, dude, you can't drug her like she's possessed. But then it works. I'm like, wait, he could drug her. What the fuck? Well, she was kind of knocked out. Oh, first. Kind of. Yes, and then, okay. yeah. But uh, no, I'll, I'll go with you on that. It's a little confusing, that whole section. I will say a few things about it, though. She, um, but she she just bounces back yeah. too fast and, and too hard and too clean. Yeah. And way too clean. 
Also uh, interesting that it's the second Mia that we've seen revived with a uh, syringe to the chest in, That's in right. film. Um, but uh, <laughs> but so are you talking but, about Mrs. Mia Wallace? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, so there there are a couple things in that scene, and I, I'm with you on the things that you you take issue with. I do actually really like some of the stuff where, and I'm going to remind you real quick. You're, you're absolutely right. It is a little weird sometimes when they, when they are possessed and they go back to being perfectly human. One, one part where you might remember that in evil dead two is when his girlfriend is in the vice, when her head is in the vice yes. and her, she comes back and her face is perfect. Yes. So yeah, it, it is that this franchise has a weird way of just having to just asking us to go with it. And I think that works way more because you're like, it's a severed head. (laughs) Yeah, right. There's no ambiguity (laughs) about what's happening right now. Right, right, right. So I will say, though, there I really I mean, you probably you probably don't remember it, but there's some really great layered string music happening in the um, the defibrillator scene. Yeah. Um, like when he's about to. I mean, it's just it's really nice, like little gripping moment there and really nice use of music. And uh, it's kind of almost minimalist, but these layered strings really pretty. And uh, I, I will go with you definitely, because the one thing that it, it didn't completely take me out of the movie, but I thought it was an interesting choice to have the final quote unquote abomination that rises from the ground, take the form of Mia like sure. that. That was a little a little confusing like the fact I also, that, yeah i also was not sure i'm like is that the same person is it supposed th- to be the same person i did a little reading on that and i think what what is what we are supposed to believe is that the mia that is human that is fine that is the mia that we know um is the one in the red dress the mia that comes out of the ground that, that looks like the possessed mia is basically just the evil spirit that they talk about in the book, but he's just chosen to take the form of Mia. Yeah. So also they're very specific about it has to claim five souls, but then it's like, well, I guess four is good enough. <laughs> no, you're right. We almost that, had who, the fifth one, but uh, it, bury it alive. Well, I guess if you consider like the fact that it did claim her soul, but then David brought her back. Um, or if we want to consider David being claimed, like he just but gets burned. Four. Yeah, but he's only four. There's only five people. They all needed to die. So, but didn't they all die, though? No, because Mia's alive. But she died for a second, though. Well, I don't know. Does she not have no soul then? I mean, yeah. I guess so. I, she that's... died for a second, and then he brought her back to life. Like, his whole plan. Yeah. To me, she's alive <laughs> there. If they had to indicate that she is alive with no soul and that it was claimed. Oh, If okay. you're going to have rules for your demons... <laughs> Follow the rules for your demons. Speaking of demon, David, Eric, oh Mia, yeah, Olivia, Natalie. Like that's kind of fun. That's like fun. it spells demon. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I did like that. Uh, I like it when a movie. Yeah, Olivia. Fun. We haven't even talked about Olivia. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I know. There's. It goes back to what you were saying about some of the characters not being really firmly established. Yeah. And, I, and I sent you a message a half hour into this movie. I'm like, I think this is the first time the blonde has talked. And I'm <laughs> sure it wasn't, but it stuck out to me. I was like, oh, yeah. It it felt that way. Yeah. yeah. It's a little neglecty, although I will say that the movie does do a good job of. Who's the blonde? You know, I shouldn't just keep calling her the blonde. 
Yeah, <laughs> but but um, but sometimes in Natalie. movies we talk about a lot where um, they'll just kind of forget about a character for a while. The one thing that I like is when the for the time period that Mia is down in the basement and other people are getting possessed up on the main floor, they do do a good job of still cutting back to her in the basement, whether she's just giggling or yeah. something. So they still they do a nice balance. Possessed back and Mia forth. was awesome. I loved possessed yeah, when, Mia. When she cuts her tongue in half on that exacto knife, that's so fucking (laughs) badass. And uh, yeah, I love that stuff. She, that actress, that Jane Levy or Levy or however you say it, um, she does possession uh, wonderfully. Like she is, she looks like terrifying. She looks terrified herself. She just really nails um, putting across that facade of being in an, in an altered state. I mean, she's, she's awesome at that. Yeah. So um, that was really cool. And I do really love the fact that, um, you know, this movie has enough action to equate like three different climaxes. But when we do get the final climax where it's raining blood and the cabin is on fire and she's jamming the abomination uh, uh, version of herself in the face with the chainsaw. And she's kind of got like kind of a, Kind of like how Henry Rollins has this really specific stance that he uses when he sings, where it's kind of like he's getting almost like ready to fight, like his legs are kind of spread apart. <laughs> yeah. She's got this kind of like nice, steady, like she's really digging into it. Like she's got a stance, she's driving that chainsaw in. And it's just, it's a great tableau. Um, so I, I feel like a really strong finish there. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love this movie because it's just got a lot of, it just rocks. Like it, it just fucking, it, it, it gives you what you want from a high energy, high action horror film. If yeah. that's what you're looking for. Now, you also told me before this, uh, before we started that the only CGI in this movie is to hide practical. Yes. Uh, I, I do not buy that. I, there's, there's no way. Yeah. They, I'm they going to say, say, yes. Is there a lot of practical effects? Yes. If but you, if I you look at the tree, if you yeah. look at the credits, the you've never seen there's first of all there's no credits if they did do any cgi they didn't give them any credits um there's no credits and there's eight hundred thousand credits for prosthetics i mean a million of them sure. and um i i really think that they they went the extra mile to yeah do i think the makeup and things are real on people but there yeah. are events that happen in this movie that's just in the way, <laughs> in the way. i don't know i i don't know i i and the number one offender and uh, there's some issue on it. This is real or not. (laughs) And so, okay. At the very, very end of this movie, we get a post the most unnecessary, most like dumb referential post-credit scene ever. And it's, you just see Bruce Campbell He's like mostly silhouetted, you know, it's just this mostly shadowed. We get a little bit of his face. It just kind of pops up and he goes groovy and that's it. Why the fuck that's in there? I mean, I know why it's in there. I don't know why it's in there. I think that it's it's a bold, such a bold choice, like I, I mentioned earlier, to not have Ash in the movie. And I think it's the right choice. But I think that maybe the filmmakers were just terrified of if there's just not even a glimpse of the guy that fans are going to feel like ripped off somehow. It's like 
going to see Zeppelin and they don't play Stairway or something right. like that. Like you just had to give him a, just a little something. But he does have um, there are a couple cameos, though, I will say. Well, hold on. I oh, also yeah. have to say, uh, not only is that unnecessary. I know you say there's no CGI that faces CGI. I have watched that scene. I don't know how many times I've seen a lot of CGI. The way the mouth moves and the way his face moves when he turns it's a, it's not a quick human jerk. There is this weird CGI where the face will like go forward and sweep a little bit. And that is what it does. That face is CGI. You say they filmed it. They might have, but they filmed it for a reference. And that is a CGI face. I'm going to go. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Internet prove me wrong. <laughs> no, that's interesting. That that's an, and, and you know what? I'll, I'll tell you for as much as we're saying that it might just have been a last minute decision just to like make sure that they give some Bruce Campbell to the audience. That would be a situation where you're probably in post-production and you're like, we gotta, we gotta give them something. Let's create it. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, I would have taken, I would have been totally on board if you have a post-credit scene where he hears about what happened and is like, shit, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, now I have to get involved. Fine. Right. If you're using him to set up a sequel to this, as much as I don't like it, I like it way more than whatever this was. Right. It's just blatant reference. Yeah, it is a little weird. I mean, it's I, at that point, I don't think we need it. I think maybe they they should have had just a little bit more faith in themselves. Um Maybe it's just the idea of saying, like, we have a rule and goddamn Bruce Campbell's face has got to be in every single evil okay, day. I like would understand just, that then. You know, just like some sort of trademark stamp. But then or you something. find a better way to put him in. Right. Well, that's fair. That, that's that's totally fair. Um, because no, I would I'll not have to go back and I would that. not be like, what the fuck is Bruce Campbell doing in this? Like, I would ex <laughs> if anything, I'm expecting him to show up. Well, here's here, speaking of effects, here's a fun fact for you. Picture in your mind a, let's say, a big empty warehouse, like with a con big concrete floor. There's nothing in a picture, a big empty warehouse. And then picture one, like a milk gallon, like a milk jug, one gallon of, let's just say, picture uh, uh, apple cider. So there's that sitting on the floor. Now picture not 700, not 7,000. 70,000 of those gallons. That's how much fake blood they used in this movie. 70,000 gallons. I believe that. There's a the, lot of blood in this movie. The first movie used, I think they said they thought maybe two to 500 gallons. Oh, man. And this movie used 70,000. And somebody out there is listening. They're like, there's no fucking way. They're, they're, <laughs> well, it explains how no one bled out in this movie. Because, man, people have <laughs> just severed limbs and keep on chugging. Right. But there is, I've seen like a... Um, a uh, behind the scenes picture and it's literally a dude it, it's in that final scene and he's holding off camera a fire hose like i mean it's a fucking fire hose just blasting blood oh for the constantly. rain yeah for the rain oh, that's and awesome. uh so yeah they just they it's, it's a very wet movie very very bloody <laughs> so i love that about it um yeah i i i know i know how you feel but i you know what i i respect um I respect the problems that you have with this movie. I, I mean, I, I really do. I think you make some great points. I am all. Yeah, I don't want to be too. I don't want to sound too negative about it. Yeah, because I 
I can appreciate a lot of what they're doing. It just didn't hit well with me. And it might be a personal thing. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, th- I think that if people just like, if you like a straight ahead action, like, cause I, here's the, f- I'm going to make my point clearly. There are some people out there that literally not unlike you and I, they really, they legitimately have a hard time watching movies. Like they just, their attention span, it just, it's hard for you and I to wrap our minds around that. But there's some people that just can't get into a movie because it's just, it's just, they're too distracted. This movie is a good movie to watch if you're somebody like that, because it's just a lot of action. Once you get past, like I said, first 15 minutes, it's going to be go, go, go all the way to the end. So it's it's got a great pace. It's a fun watch. It's gnarly. Um, it's hardcore. So I love it for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But I do. Hey, I you know will, what? It's okay to not like a movie. All right. And it's okay to like a movie. <laughs> I don't hate anyone for liking this movie. I totally get it. And it's fine. I'm actually bothered by the fact of how right you are that they still could have put one element of comedy in this. Now, I didn't think about that the whole time. But now that you say that, it's like, damn, why didn't they just sprinkle one character with a little bit of humor that yeah. you're, you're, you're a hundred percent right about that. So I'm with you. Oh, well, well <laughs> they can't all be, you know, hundred percent. That's fine. So, okay. Well, that's all. That's We got to wrap this one up. All right. So that was evil dead from 2013. Um, Tim, next up it's listener request time. Woo! This is an interesting one. Uh, this film is from 1980. It's called, he knows you're alone and it's the silver screen debut of a little actor known as, Tom Hanks, America's favorite uh, COVID <laughs> recipient. <laughs> I've heard of him. Yeah, he's been in some things. He's been in some things. So uh, that should be fun. I think that's just a, uh, it's like a Halloween knockoff, essentially. You know, it's fun. But uh, we'll get into that next week. Uh, please follow us on Instagram at Slumber Podcast Massacre. Our email is slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, our Patreon is slash Slumber Podcast Massacre. A huge thanks to all our patrons for everything you do for us. You help make this show possible. Timmy, do you got anything else to say about Evil Dead? Because I don't. <laughs> I'm just going to give you, like, I'm just going to say, that's my CGI. <laughs> Bruce Campbell. <laughs> look it up. I'm going to look. I'm looking it up again when we get done with this. <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, we'll see you next time, buddy. Sounds great. I'll see you then. Bye. Bye-bye.